Welcome to the second Sunday of Easter, gentlemen. Divine Mercy Sunday. Why is it called that? It's called Divine Mercy Sunday. St. Faustina had that vision. Oh. And, <laughs> oh, yeah, and that now one. we're all <laughs> celebrating it. Often in churches, you'll see the Divine Mercy image in the front of church when you arrive, like the mm-hmm. uh-huh. sort of red light, white light. Laser show Jesus. Laser show Jesus. (laughs) You get mercy. You get mercy. (laughs) So uh, I'm not editing that out. Yeah. Yeah, Ten ten people just turned this off, by the way. (laughs) So uh, second Sunday of Easter and the gospel reading is the famous Doubting Thomas story. So Jesus appears to the disciples in the upper room and says, receive the Holy Spirit whose sins you forgive are forgiven them and whose sins you retain are retained. And so it's this this brilliant experience of the risen Christ and the reception of the Holy Spirit. And Thomas is just out shopping. He's gone. (laughs) (laughs) Out to lunch. uh, Out to lunch. Thomas (laughs) is gone. And and then he comes back and, and this is where he gets the doubting Thomas. He says, I won't believe until I place my hand in, in his wounds in his side. And then Jesus appears and he places his hand in the wounds and in the side and declares my Lord and my God. Can we just point out how kind of gross that is? <laughs> it's kind of gross. Yeah. It's kind of gross. You've never done that, David? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it I've It is kind of gross. Um, but I think something that is interesting about it like throughout the centuries thomas begins to get this bad bad rap about who he is and so we label him doubting thomas and then it becomes sort of a pejorative like don't be a Mm -hmm. doubting thomas like Mm -hmm. believe but i think in reality thomas is embodying the experience of all of us oh yeah that there is there is always going to be a part of us if we are really looking at these gospel accounts and the gospel stories of the resurrection, there's always going to be a part of me that wishes that I could have just been there to see it happen. That then I would know. Then I would know for sure. I will not really fully believe this until I touch the wounds. If I really think about it, the way that I have come to know the risen Lord is precisely through the experience of my own doubt at times and my own suffering and Jesus moving in Hmm. to those spaces. There's this great quote by Anne Lamont that the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is certainty. And that's what Thomas is embodying here. If If he were certain about the risen Christ, then he has no room for faith. But his doubt actually becomes a vehicle for Christ to enter in. Mm-hmm. That's the experience of the risen Jesus is that even in my woundedness, even in my suffering, even in my doubt, God is acting. And in fact, in those spaces, that's where he acts. So I think I would, if I were preaching on this, I would want to cast a more positive light on Thomas and then maybe even connect it to the experience of the wounds of Jesus. The risen Christ retains the wounds oh, yeah. that he has. Which is significant and shouldn't just be looked over. That right. the experience of the crucifixion is not just erased. That it's a necessary part of the experience of the resurrection. And that's true for all of our lives. That 
the fullness of humanity is both uh, joy and suffering right. at the same time. Yeah, and that the scars that you carry with you are not something to be ashamed of, but they they will remain with you. And sometimes right. they hurt, but that's part of life. And it's a significant part of Christianity that we are not in the business of denying suffering. Right. We're really about how do we embrace suffering? How do we how do we make sense of suffering? And at the same time, uh, this beautiful resurrection and the joy right. of the gospel. Because those wounds become glorified as well. Right? Yeah. Right. I think it was St. John of the Cross that used the image of the log being caught on fire. As soon as it lights... All of the impurities, all the moisture and bugs and gross stuff starts to bubble and ooze out, and it probably smells bad, and it's really just gross. But then eventually the, the wood itself becomes fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it has mm-hmm. to go through that process before it can be glorified. Hmm. One thing you said earlier, Louis, that I wanted to pick up on is this notion of just remembering Thomas as doubting Thomas. So I used to watch the show Lost that was out you know, like 10 years ago. Is that still on or is that <laughs> I think still... I think they're still lost, yeah. Um, <laughs> and there was a scene that I have always remembered, and it was uh, the painting, the Caravaggio painting, um, the very famous one of Thomas putting his hand inside the side of Jesus. Um, a gruesome image. I he think. really I mean, gets in there with it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, but what I found interesting is that the actor, the character in the show was commenting on, this is the same Thomas who like six chapters before this, told Jesus, we will go with you also to die. And he's not remembered for that courage. He's not remembered for that valor or that zeal. He's remembered for the moment of weakness. I just thought that was sort of an interesting thing to think about is what do I remember from my friends and my enemies? I tend to remember their weak moments more so Mm -hmm. than their strong moments. And that's not good. Or even of myself mm-hmm. with my own personal history. Like I look back on my life and I could tell you right away the top 10 mess ups of my life. If you ask me though, okay, David, now give me the top 10 moments of grace and glory. It's like, oh, give me a minute. Let me think about it. Thomas kind of summarizes, I think a little bit of that dynamic of we focus really clearly on the weaknesses or the doubts or the struggles. And we forget the moments of glory of our own lives or the lives of our friends. Yeah, I think we also forget about the the real tragedy of the experience of losing a friend like these people did in this horrible, horrible, yeah. horrible way. Yeah. That they watched their friend who they followed suffer and die and be humiliated in such a horrific manner. And then he comes back and everyone's like, he's written. Well, how can you believe that after you've seen the body? You know, after you've seen the body in the tomb, seen the wounds, like, how can you believe that? One of the one of the small details of this story that has stayed with me since college, because a friend of mine pointed it out to me, is if you look at the reading, it says that um, it was a week later that mm-hmm. Jesus appears to Thomas. And and the, the when I read about this when I was in college and I was going through a rough patch, a friend of mine suggested that I read this article that was called The Worst Week in Thomas's Life. And it got me thinking a lot about what would have been like for Thomas for seven days to have all of his best friends rejoicing about the resurrection because they've met the risen Lord. And then him being like, well, it's not just that he was out shopping that one day. It's for seven days 
he's being told over and over again, why aren't you getting it? Why aren't you getting it? Why aren't you mm. getting it? And he's like, I haven't seen the Lord yet. Like this is really, yeah. so what a terrible experience. And I thought, you know, sometimes I go through that dry spell of being very far from the Lord and not really feeling his presence and being very envious of friends who seem to be really close to God. And I don't know. And then, But then God had a very important, intimate way of touching Thomas that if, if if he just needed to wait a little bit, you know, maybe there's something there of, of a lesson too. I mean, now that you're saying that, seven days, of course, is significant in so many ways throughout the Bible, but Thomas is really becoming a new creation in those seven days, that it takes seven days for him to be totally transformed in that one moment at the, at the end of b- being this new creation. He's also taking on the role of the lost sheep that's sought out by the good shepherd that Jesus is going to him directly and intervening in this moment. The other the other little detail that I wanted to throw out there that I thought was important is just the reversal of whose wounds are being touched. Thomas is being asked to touch the wounds of Christ, but sometimes I think what Jesus wants to do is to touch my wounds. And I think on Divine Mercy Sunday in particular, that's an important piece. God in his mercy wants to touch the wounds of me like Thomas touching the wounds of Jesus, the very healing touch of Christ can help heal the wound that I might carry with me. I mean, so many people, myself included, have this fear of approaching God at times because we feel like we need to be perfect. Mm. And divine mercy is saying that is not the point. The point is not to be perfect in the sight of God. The point is to recognize my own need for God in my imperfection. And that God can finally act at the the second that I am able to acknowledge and am free enough to acknowledge that I am weak, you know, is when God can enter right in. But I'm yeah. so proud that I just ignore it, you know. Well, there's that certainty coming back up again. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, everyone. So before we go, though, just a quick announcement. We're done forever. No, we're not done forever. (laughs) For our tens of listeners out there, we just want to say that uh, since we're students, we're going to be going on summer holiday pretty soon. And so we're going to change the format for the next couple of months. And the three of us are going to alternate weeks and give sort of a homilette. uh, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Jonathan will pick it up next week with the first homilette. Uh, And then we'll be back as a trio probably later in the summer. I think I might. I'm a little tempted to in mine include like a cheering crowd in the background <laughs> like booze like ah. <laughs> to get the affirmation that we're not giving ahs. you yeah exactly exactly <laughs> or i might i might substitute your voices for like a robot voice and just type in the... <laughs> that is a great point louis <laughs> i agree <laughs> all right everybody Well, I'll miss you so much. I'll miss you terribly over the summer. So much. All right. But we'll see you when we come back. Sounds good. See you when I see you. Bye. (laughs) Peace.